We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Dina Arnett is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satara is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And today we have Dina Arnett here in studio with us once again. It is good to see you, Dina, and welcome aboard. Hi, guys. Good morning. It's great to be here. It's always good to have you here. Lots of fun Thank things to talk you. about in the market today already, I know. Well, you know you know what? We the, the Dow has been on a tear. The Dow was up for 10 consecutive days. And stocks across the world were actually higher this week. They fell off their best levels after a few weaker than forecasted tech earnings reports, though. The Dow was up about 2% this week. That means that primarily blue chip index is up a little over six and a quarter percent since January 1st. The S&P was about up about two thirds of a percent this week. The S&P is up a little over 18%. The NASDAQ lost about half a percent, but the tech heavy index is still up a whopping 34% for the year. That's that's a very nice bounce. And, and what we so often see, Chris, is the worst performing sector in one year is quite often the best performing sector the next year, and that's what we've seen with tech. Tech got pummeled last year when the when the S and P was down about nineteen percent. The Nasdaq was down thirty. Well, this year we're up thirty four. So yeah. there you go. Still not a bad investment these days. <laughs> now going forward, right? I, I don't mind tech. I don't mind tech at all. Um, if if you look at where the innovation is, it tends to it tends to be in that very very broad technology sector. The latest innovation that we're seeing in tech, and we're getting more and more questions about it every single day, is how do we incorporate AI, artificial intelligence, mm. and that's a phrase that's not going away. That's a subset of tech that you're going to see grow and grow and grow as we get more and more applications of that in business, in personal life, even in college. 
Yeah. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury was up just a smidge from a week ago. The yield is 3.82%. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude held steady at 76.50. And volatility, as measured by our buddy the VIX, was mostly unchanged at 13.9. That's that's a historically low number. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the one of the financial pages that I follow has a fear and greed index. And right now, that fear and greed index is pegging really hard on greed. People are, are euphoric about the market. People are flooding money in. They're buying stocks after a period of time where nobody really wanted to. Last year was tough. People didn't buy as many stocks, and this year they're, they're getting back in. Now, what does all that mean? Well, we're in what's called earnings season right now. We're in the period of time where companies in the S&P 500 index, the 500 largest companies in the United States, these companies are reporting their second quarter earnings. And they come in a little bit at a time. We've had about 17% of those companies report their earnings for the second quarter. They do this calculation called blended earnings per share. That combines the reported data with estimates for those companies that haven't yet reported. So the blended earnings per share shows an earnings decline of 9.4% compared to this same quarter last year. The sectors that have had the sharpest declines are energy and materials. Sales growth is flat year over year. So what does all that mean? Well, it, it shows a, a slowing in those sectors that have reported, and it's not it's not unexpected. Even, when the, the, Fed, energy, even the energy sector? I would have thought that would have been. He had a really, really great year. Oh. Okay. So just like I said earlier, tech got pummeled last year and is having a wonderful year this year. Mm. The inverse is happening with energy. Gotcha. Energy had a great year last year, not so much this year. We often see what's called a change in leadership in the various sectors of the economy. Chris, remember when you were in science class <laughs> in, in yes. high school? Just <laughs> It was just a few years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. but in science class, we had that periodic table of elements, oh, and yeah. every element had a different color block. And on we it. had to memorize it, too. You had to know them all. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever did, honestly. Um, that that was not my thing. But I remember the chart, and we have a chart that looks a lot like that in for the stock market. And every one of those little colored blocks is a sector of the market. So we may have a blue block that is large cap growth stocks. We may have a yellow block that is high-grade corporate bonds. So So you see where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. And every column is a different year. And if you look across the years, you will see that there's a completely random uh, incidence of who's at the top and who's at the bottom every single year. It's not a pattern to it. It is absolutely random. Last year, energy was at the top of that, of that grid. Tech was at the bottom of that grid. Today, it's the opposite. <laughs> It's like time in the market. You have, have no idea what's going to happen next, really. Well, you don't. There's just so much that goes into why stocks move the way that they do. There's so much that goes into 
what causes demand for stocks to go up or go down. And right now, we're still in that period of time where we're watching inflation data. We had some fairly benign U.S. inflation data just last week. We also saw this week that used car prices are continuing to fall. The U.S. Treasury yields actually fell a smidge on Wednesday. We got some jobless data on Thursday morning that came in lower than expected, falling to its lowest in two months. That suggests that the labor market is still tight and upward pressure on wages is still a concern. That's the kind of thing the Fed's looking at when they make their decision this coming week on interest rates. There's about a 95% mm-hmm. chance that the Fed's going to raise rates by a quarter percent this coming week. It won't be a surprise. This Fed has done a really, really good job of telling us what to expect. And as long as they give us what they tell us to expect, I think the market will continue to solidify. I think you'll continue to see this rally broaden out into sectors beyond just tech. Yeah, Larry talks all the time about how the market <laughs> does not like uncertainty. Mm-mm, and so if there's no. some sort of a, of an, of a, I guess, a hint or a pretty good solid information about what's going to happen and things are a little bit more stable, they build it into the market. It, Works out. Well, they do. And and we're still in that period of time where good economic data is is bad. And bad economic data is good. Inverse, yeah. Yeah. Because remember, when the Fed started raising interest rates last year, they did so in order to slow down, in order to cool off an overheated US economy. So when we get inflation data that shows inflation is coming down, but then we get jobs data that shows that unemployment is still staying historically low. Those two things are at odds with one another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. When the Fed started raising rates, one of their targets was to have unemployment go up by to about four and a half percent. We haven't seen it. We haven't even come close. So, Um, Another thing that we look at is this thing called the Conference Board's Leading Index, Index of Leading Indicators. It looks at things like CPI inflation, unemployment, transportation. Uh, There's a list of about 12 of them. And they aggregate those 12 factors and they create this index so so that they make just one factor they can follow. And that index fell for the 15th straight month in June. That also shows a slowing economy, overall a slowing economy. So home builder sentiment stayed solid. Um, the home builder sentiment index actually rose to 56. It was 55 last month. In the housing sector, we've still got a very low inventory of existing homes. Demand is still there for new homes. Existing home sales fell 3.3%. That's a bit of a surprise to me that the demand is still high, especially with the interest rates going up as they, as they are. Well, now, now hear what I said. The, the people who want to build new homes, that index inched up a little bit, mm-hmm. but the there's this low inventory of existing homes people have low interest rate mortgages they are not real no nobody wants to sell out of their two and a half percent mortgage and go get something closer to seven no way okay so the the that low inventory of existing homes is 
what caused a drop in existing home sales in June. And I think we're going to see that continue. Sure, it's tough for the young people just getting started now, isn't it? Trying to get into, into a home, a very expensive prospect to think about that. Depending on where you are, depending on what the job market looks like, depending on what the housing market looks like, you know, here in the D.C. metro area, houses are expensive. I think anywhere. Some, anywhere yeah. Yeah. Um, if we look at other inflation metrics, we look at industrial production. Industrial production dropped by a half a percent for the second straight month. Remember Ben Bernanke? I he do. Was the he was the chairman of the Fed during the 08 recession. Ben Bernanke made some comments this week. On Thursday, he said that next week's rate hike, which I already told you is a 95% probability, that next week's one quarter percent rate hike from the Fed next week may be the last of the cycle. Fingers crossed that would be really great because one of the big risks to recession is that the Fed does too much. Mm -hmm. If the Fed raises rates past a certain point, it can slow the economy more than intended and it can tip us over into a recession. It's a real but, kind of a fine tuned piece of machinery. Well, it, it right. is. And, I, and I'll tell you, I don't want to be one of the decision makers on no, that. No way. I, I'll sit here and evaluate the data and armchair quarterback it all day. I don't want to be one of the decision makers on that. Mm. But one of the big bellwether uh, uh, research firms on Wall Street, Goldman Sachs, they actually just upgraded their view on the U.S. economy. Now they only see a 20% chance of a near-term recession. Oh, Wow. You know, that's that's very positive. We've been looking this whole time. The Fed's been raising interest rates for about 15 months now. They started in March last year. And well, that's more than 15 months, maybe 16 or 17 months by now. Um, that whole time we've been watching what the Fed does and we've been hoping for this magical soft landing, mm. a soft landing where they slow the economy just enough to get inflation under control and then the economy starts growing again. There was a point where the odds of recession were quite high. Inflation wasn't coming under control. The Fed was being very aggressive with their rate hikes. And now we're nearing the end of this rate hiking cycle. And the economy has remained quite resilient. So how do we, how do we know if recession is coming? Well, that's what we're going to talk about the rest of today. We're going to talk about the things that portend recession how what do we look at to say oh it's 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 really a big chance and then what are the chances that we here in the united states experience recession it, and i'm going to give you a a real big hint on this okay. sooner or sooner or later we will recessions are a normal part of a business cycle economies expand economies contract and it happens over and over and over again. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, really, and if we do have a recession, for what I've, everybody's been saying, it's going to be a short one, probably, right? Um, well, no, we don't, don't steal my thunder. I'll talk about that All a right. little bit. No thunders, no thunder stealing here. We won't do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
But we will take a quick break. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a minute. We hope that you'll call in if you'd like to. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. More with Dina Arnett here on the Larry Rosenthal Show in just a moment. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense and more. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Mark down August 26th on your calendar. Larry Rosenthal will once again repel 14 stories down the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center and go over the edge with Holistic Haitian Alliance, formerly known as Helping Haitian Angels. To learn how you can help, go to holistichaitianangels.org. That's holistichaitianangels.org. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123 is our phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dina Arnett, who is here in studio today for Larry Rosenthal, who is taking a little well-deserved time off. Dina. Thanks so much. As as we were talking before the break, there's still a lot of talk of recession. We're... At, Past the halfway point of the year, there's still uncertainty about the U.S. economy, the Fed, the banking system, jobs, and so much more. But one thing that that gives me, and, and hopefully will give you and all of our listeners a little bit of comfort, m- the commentary is getting wider and wider from the economic community that another deep, dark recession like we saw in 2008 is simply not likely. Mm-hmm. The landscape today is so different than what we saw back then, the the economic landscape that brought about what they called the Great Recession. Consumers, mortgages, big banks, and corporate earnings are in so much better shape than they were in those days. The U.S. remains in the late phase of the business cycle. That was this expansion and contraction that I was talking about before the break. When we 
crest the top of the business cycle and we start declining. That's that's the late phase of that business cycle. But during this late phase, the economy is still growing. <clears throat> excuse me, and stock prices continue to rise even though there's all this volatility. So that's good news. What, you know, a, a, a steep, deep decline in economic growth looks unlikely. An increasing number of factors, however, suggest a less severe recession when it does arrive. So what are the things that could tip us over? Well, I gave you a big hint on that just a couple of minutes ago. It's the Fed. If the Fed raises rates next week, and I'm pretty sure they will, what happens at their next meeting? Do they raise rates another quarter of a percent or do they pause? They took a pause in the month of June to watch some more data come in. So most people feel likely that next week we get another quarter percent hike. There's a big question about whether this will be their last and the Fed knows if they keep raising rates, they can do too much and absolutely tip us into recession. At this point, as we've already said, the economy is showing some great resilience. Consumers still have some excess savings. Unemployment is historically low. Corporate profits have declined from their peak last year, but they're still historically high. So this, this resilience is what has kept inflation very, very persistent. That's why the Fed has reacted as strongly as they have to try and bring all that under control. So it, it sounds like a mixed bag, right? So what really is a recession? Well, a recession is a slowdown in economic activity across a whole bunch of different sectors of the economy. When the economy is expanding, things like buying, selling, investing, working, they increase and increase and increase to a point, and it's almost like they run out of steam. And then we see this economic retraction. We have expansion, we have contraction, and if we have enough of a contraction across a broad segment of the economy, that's called a recession. So the, these periods of decreased activity last on average about nine months before things pick back up again. That doesn't sound awful, especially if it's a garden variety recession and not like 2008. The challenge is we don't know as investors, we don't know as consumers, we don't, economic forecasters even, it's, it's very hard for all of us to determine when that shift from increasing activity to decreasing activity may take place. We've seen a number of, of things happen that cause people to say, oh, recession's here. Recession's mm. definitely here. And then some things come back out to make us think, well, no, it's definitely not here. There you go. So what are you supposed to do? Well, you watch for the signs. One place to look is in the U.S. Treasury market. So the Treasury market is is a big bond marketplace of, of securities that are issued by the United States Treasury. And they can be as short as a one-month T-bill. They can be as long as a 30-year Treasury bond. So think with me, Chris. If I go to the bank and I buy a CD, under normal circumstances, 
if I buy a longer term CD, I'm going to get a better interest rate mm -hmm. than if I buy a shorter term CD, right? Yeah. You're with me on that so yeah, far? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. In this particular environment, that is not the case. In the U.S. Treasury market, we have a 10-year U.S. Treasury that's at something like 3.58, okay? I can go in and get a six-month U.S. Treasury for over 5%. Oh, there you go. That's, that's what's called... Here's a here's a jargon alert for you if you're if you're taking notes. This is called an inverted yield curve. What? Okay. Was, hey, hey, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, there will not be a test at the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I was gonna say before we did before we take the test, let's let's take a phone call and then we'll go back to the test. How does that sound? Go right ahead. What do we got here? <laughs> Laura from Virginia is on the phone with us. Uh, Laura, what's your question for uh, Dina? Are you with us? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Hi, Laura. Can you hear me? Yeah, you good? Yes, ma'am. I uh, I'm calling for my sister who lives in Northern Virginia. She has an annuity um, that's ten years, and I think it's ten thousand. But she's seventy one, and she's got a notice that she has to renew it for ten years. And she said that it's like fifty pages, and she doesn't understand it. How would okay. she know whether to renew this annuity or not? She needs to get a third-party objective opinion on this annuity. At 71 years old, to renew an annuity for 10 years to me does not seem like a good idea. That's well, that's a long time to have your money locked up. I, now, I agree, yeah. Uh, now, so, renewing for 10 years may mean... A number of different things, Laura. Renewing for 10 years may simply mean that the terms that she had when she initially bought this annuity lasted for 10 years, and now they want to change the terms. Maybe the terms are better, maybe the terms are worse, but I would say let's get let's get an evaluation of that for her. Since she's in Northern Virginia, it wouldn't be hard to get her on with one of our financial advisors here at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group to evaluate that for her and give her an unbiased opinion on what it means. Yes, that's what she would like. Very good. Well, we can put you on hold. Bob will get some contact information from you, and we will reach out to her on Monday. Thank you so much. I, okay, I'll stay on hold. You have a good day. All right, Laura. You too, Laura. Thanks for the call. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123 is the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. You know, it, we get we get questions about annuities all the time, and the and the good news, bad news on annuities is that the marketplace for annuities is high and deep. There are about as many different types of annuities, contracts, benefits, bonuses, surrender periods, charges. I, the 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 list of all these factors is really high and really deep. And you're smart to ask a lot of questions before entering into one of those because it is a contract. It's a contract with an insurance company who is getting paid some sort of fee to hold this money for you in exchange for some sort of promise. Mm -hmm. 
So it's always very, very good, especially if you've had an annuity for a long time, to have the, the annuity evaluated to see if those benefits, if those promises are still intact for you, and if they're worth what you're paying for them. Well, what it One sounds of like the, to her looks a little like it could be a gotcha if you're not careful, and then you, <laughs> your money's all locked up, and then you're in trouble if you're not careful. Well, and the annuity marketplace has a lot of providers with a number of different contract types, and Absolutely, there can be got yous in there, and you want to make sure that you are working with someone who can tell you the good, the bad, the ugly before you sign on the dotted line. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That was, that was a great show. I enjoyed that movie. But anyway, uh, sorry, Squirrel. <laughs> squirrel came across there for a second. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123. We'd love to hear from you with your questions for Dina, who's in studio with us today. All right. We were talking about the inverted yield curve. And while that sounds like some ominous terminology, all that means is that we're in a period of time where the interest rate that you get on a short-term CD bond treasury is going to be higher than if you purchased one of a longer term. When we're looking for recession type indicators. We look at the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury versus the two-year. If the yield on the 10-year is lower than the yield on the two-year, that is an inversion. And most often, that inverted yield curve forecasts a recession. Now, it forecasts recession in much the same way that autumn forecasts winter, okay? Mm. One eventually follows the other, but nothing tells us when the snow's going to fall or if it's going to fall at all. In Wait, fact, especially out there on the East Coast, especially in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it is. But the length of time between that inversion of the yield curve and the start of recession. It has varied from as little as six months to as long as four years. Hmm. So while we have been in a yield curve inversion since about, uh, it's been about a year and a half, okay, we do not yet have recession. That inverted yield curve is typically a pretty reliable indicator of future slowdowns or recessions. The inverted yield curve has happened prior to the last eight recessions. Hmm. So, um, an indicator. It could there very it, well be what's going to happen. It is. Yeah. It is. Okay. No and as and as I said, recession always comes. I don't know if the next recession is going to be in the next six to 12 months or if it's going to be somewhere further down the road. But again, recessions are part of a business cycle. We're not ever going to have a period of time where it's not. It's just like a rubber band expanding and contracting. You just never That's know right. on, that, on that line where it's going to be recession. So. That's right. So we've got that yield curve sort of sending a signal, but we've got other data that gives signals that the U.S. economy is headed toward a slowdown. Things like gross domestic product. You'll hear, you'll hear the financial talking heads in the media talk about GDP. That's gross domestic product. That's our output as a country. That's how they measure all of that. If we have two consecutive quarters of falling GDP, 
that's another indicator. In fact, we had that happen uh, not too long ago, and people were screaming recession. Well, not so. Not so. Hmm. So um, we've also got things like unemployment. We haven't seen unemployment go up yet. The Fed's raised rates for, eh, call it a year and a half. It's kind of the other way around. People, you see help wanted signs everywhere you go. People are always looking for somebody to go to work. But. That's right. I I liken what we're going through right now. I, I've used this phrase with my clients for quite a while now because they say, well, why is inflation so high? And why is this happening? And why is this happening? And I tell them, it's a great big COVID hangover. <laughs> Okay. Let's go. With well, that. well, it is yeah. because if you think back, think back to 2020 when COVID first became part of our uh, our jargon. It became part of our everyday conversation. Be for, the rest of our lives. for a period of time, where almost the entire world just shut its doors. Everybody was staying home. You know, I remember the days of getting a delivery from Amazon and it's sitting on the front porch, mm-hmm. hosing it down with Lysol, sticking it in the garage for a day or two, and then feeling safe to open it. Yeah. Okay. We have come from such an uncertain and kind of scary period of time where the federal government had to come in. Think of all of the fiscal stimulus that our Congress put into play. They suspended payments on student loans. There was an eviction moratorium. Interest rates dropped to nothing. Okay? We had this period of time where from the the Fed and the monetary policy side and Congress from the fiscal policy side, they were flooding money into this economy to keep it afloat. Then what happened? We started opening our doors again. We started stepping out. We started spending our money again while all this stimulus was still coming in. The very definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. And if we have that situation go on for too long, yes, inflation goes up. The the monetary and fiscal response to COVID was bigger than the monetary and fiscal response to the 08 recession by a a good bit. So to think that that would create inflation that was higher than it had been since the 80s, that's not a far stretch. So now we are. I mean, that was not, you remember that, that was a painful thing to go through as well. Yes. And we had to unwind that. And unfortunately, the unwinding of it started probably, and again, this is me armchair quarterbacking, the unwinding of all of that probably started about a year later than it should have. Mm -hmm. So this time last year, we were reeling. Inflation was 9.1%. The last time we saw this, and this is what I tell my clients, the last time we saw that, I was 12 years old and Reagan was president. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big COVID hangover, and we're still here in 2023, three years later, unwinding from all of that. Let me do some quick math. That makes you 27. Yeah, that's it, right? 28. Good guess. <laughs> yeah, don't don't count on me for the math. You know, I, one, th- <laughs> one thing I would actually kind of, you know, an interesting comparison here also is to note that, yeah, we had some bad things happen. I mean, COVID was definitely one of those things that really set us back on our heels. 
but it also brought some interesting changes the way in the way we work and the way you know absolutely you know, a lot of the businesses absolutely. have shut their doors downtown but there's still people are working from home it's just a different world now than it was it very much is and and you can look through history and see different events that fundamentally changed the world I think when our kids and our grandkids are in high school learning American history as we did back in the day, I think there's going to be a very big segment on COVID and how COVID changed the world. Yeah, it's definitely in the history books. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the bottom line, recession will come. Is it going to be in the next 6 to 12 months? I don't know, but I'm not afraid of it. I don't want you to be afraid of it. I don't want our listeners to be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Just recognize that it's a normal part of a business cycle. This upcoming recession will probably be the most anticipated, the most heavily forecasted in history. It will pass. Yeah, get on with life. Figure, yep. figure it out and keep moving forward. Now, if you've got a good plan in place, you would have already sort of built some of these uh, ups and downs into it, right? That's right. When we do financial plans, and I, and I did this with a client just yesterday, we look at expected rates of return, and we look at levels of saving. We look at your current levels of assets. We look at your budget, and we put that together in a plan to see what happens if you keep doing what you're doing. That's our base case. If you keep doing exactly what you're doing right now, is your family able to accomplish its financial goals? Can you buy the house? Can you send the kids to college? Can you retire when you want to in the lifestyle that you wish? And then we stress test that plan. We go through and we say, well, what happens if you get sick and you have to be cared for medically at it at elevated expenses what happens heaven forbid if someone passes away prematurely becomes disabled what happens if market returns are not what we expect them to be we stress test that plan and then we run this really cool probability analysis called monte carlo monte carlo will run a thousand different random simulations to see what is your probability of success with this financial plan when we do all of this stress testing and all this probability analysis, we can find the potholes. We can find the potential areas where perhaps your plan isn't as strong as you would like for it to be. You'd rather know it now than the year before retirement or the year before your children go to college, right? Sorry. Or in the six months before you buy the house. Sorry about the uh, the squirrel here. When you talked about potholes, I just remember living in the Northern Virginia area at one point, and you know that was just kind of a <laughs> that was a lot. Casey is on the phone with us from. Uh, I didn't catch where you were from there, Casey, but I know you were. I have a question about uh, TSPs for for uh, um, our for Dina. There we go, boy, for Dina. Go ahead. Drink some coffee, Chris. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Casey. Hello, Hello there. I am I'm calling about, uh, would like to hear uh, your perspective on drawing down uh, uh, retirement TSP accounts um, in, as a distribution uh, along with, of course, Social Security and um, the government annuity. 
Sure. Um, that That's a typical thing for a federal retiree. You've got your federal pension, you've got your Social Security, and if those two things aren't enough to pay your bills and live life the way you want to live it, the next place to go is that thrift savings plan. Now, I will tell you, the you have to be careful with that. You have to look at how much money is in the thrift savings plan and then make a, a very calculated decision what your maximum withdrawal is going to be per year. In financial planning world, depending on who you talk to, they say the maximum withdrawal per year should be no more than between 2 and 4% of that balance. So if you had $100,000 in the thrift savings plan, the max you would draw out in a year would be somewhere between $2,000 and $4,000. If you draw out more than that, you risk depleting the, your thrift savings plan. You risk running out of that bucket of money. So the, the thing I recommend for all of my clients, Casey, is that we look at the overall financial plan and we look to see what's necessary. You probably know your budget. You probably know how much that shortfall is. So the thing to do would see would be to calculate how much that budget shortfall is as a percentage of the thrift savings plan and then make those plans accordingly. How's that sound to you, Casey? And, and that sounds great. Now, uh, the only follow-up is in terms of uh, tax, um, considering taxes on the TSP. Mm. Yes, ma'am. Um, well, okay. So when you filed your 2022 federal income taxes, go ahead and pull that form out on line 15 of your tax return. That will tell you your taxable income for the year. So when your taxes get calculated, we add up all of the money that you had coming in, and then we subtract out all the deductions. So if you're itemizing, or if you just take the standard deduction, there's going to be some amount of income that is not taxed. So we pull that out and then we get to the taxable income. You can Google up 2023 federal income tax brackets. Okay, you'll get a nice little chart. If you're single, you look at the single chart. If you're married filing jointly or head of household, you pick the appropriate chart for your situation and you see where you fall in those tax brackets. It may be 10, 12, 22, 24, whichever bracket you fall in, that's the amount of federal income tax withholding that you will take out of every TSP withdrawal. If you live in Maryland, the state of Maryland requires that you withhold 8% for state taxes. In Virginia, it's 5.75. So what you will do is you will look at your tax return. I know that's a scary thing sometimes. <laughs> Line 15 is the only number you need. Does that help, Casey? Yes, that's great. Thank All you. right. Um, yes, ma'am. Thank you for calling the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate that phone call. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. to talk to Dina Arnett, who is here in studio with us for Larry Rosenthal. That's 855-ROSE-123. You know what? I am so glad that Casey asked the tax question because the thing that I wanted to wrap up with today is a mid-year tax checkup. We're better than halfway through the year right now, and it is time to take a look at your taxes. 
Okay, you don't want to wait until next spring to do this. That gives you zero time to fix anything that may be wrong. So mid-year tax checkup. First of all, collect your records, keep your receipts. Your record keeping is what's going to save you time next spring. Identify your sources of income, track any deductible expenses, especially if you're having a year where you have a lot of medical expenses. Mm -hmm. Hang on to that. That will help preparing a complete and accurate tax return a whole lot easier. And if you like, you don't always keep track of all those things that you could save money on. You need to, you know, you need to kind of keep track of those things. They really could save you a lot in the end. It could. You know, just get a file folder. If you make some donations to Goodwill and they give you the receipt, throw the receipt in. If you have medical bills, throw the medical receipts in. Keep a folder, okay? At this particular juncture, if you haven't done that, start there. Also, if you've moved, notify the IRS now of your address change. Notify the Social Security Administration if you've had a legal name change, if you've gotten married, if you've got divorced. Sign into your individual IRS account online. View your federal tax records. You can change a lot of stuff at that IRS online account. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, digging into it a little bit. Check your pay stubs. I can't tell you how many times I hear of people who have not had tax withholding on their income. And then they get to tax filing time in the spring and they get a very shocking bill. We're halfway through the year. Make sure that the tax withholding is correct. Okay. If you see on your pay stub, that you have not had tax withholding, it's time to dig in and figure out how much you should have been withholding, okay? Most of your income is going to be taxable. It's not just job income. If you have unemployment income, if you are in the what they call the gig economy, if you're playing in a band on the weekends or you're doing side work as a photographer, you're consulting, okay? And Here's a new one for a lot of us, virtual currencies. Oh, yeah, they started taxing those. (laughs) They absolutely did. They absolutely did. It's time to add all of that up here at the halfway point. The IRS actually has a tax withholding estimator online. You can Google that. It'll pull it right up. What I would recommend, if you're going to use that, have your 2022 tax return in front of you because they'll ask for some information that you can just take straight off of last year's tax return. Have your pay stubs, have your your 1099 forms, your receipts for your gig income, your, your gains and losses, and input all of that. The tax withholding estimator may recommend some changes to your tax withholding at your job. If they recommend a change on that tax withholding form, the estimator will give you instructions on how to update it with your employer. You can do that online in a lot of cases, or you may have to submit a a hard copy form W-4. Four, that's an employee withholding allowing cert- allowance certificate. That's just an incremental number, isn't it, that you put in there for dependents, reductions, <clears throat> and things of that nature? One, two, it three, is. Or, it is. Yeah. W-4 has been simplified, um, and it's, it's actually really easy to use. So, for example, if I last year owed 
$1,200 in federal income taxes, and I don't want to have to do that for the next tax return. There's a line on that tax withholding form that says additional withholding. Mm. I put in 100 bucks, and they'll withhold an additional $100 out of every paycheck. That's news. I didn't know that one. It used to be that you had to go into the withholding charts and figure out the value of a withholding allowance and then divide it by the number of paychecks a year. And it was just a lot of funky math. It's a bit easier to do now. There you go. Okay. Now. Give us a call at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Take a quick break here. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a moment. Give us a call again. Again, that number is 855-767-3123. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I just came to my mind. (laughs) I love it. That we play it. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a moment. Stay tuned. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Talk to Dina Arnett here for just a few more minutes here in the program. Again, 855-ROSE-123. We were talking about a mid-year tax checkup. I told you to gather all your stuff, input it on the IRS withholding calculator website, and see if you are on track to break even or better this year. If you're a contractor, if you're a 1099 employee, or you're in that gig economy, perhaps you don't have an employer who's withholding taxes for you. You may need to make estimated tax payments. If you don't have a certain percentage of your income paid out regularly to the IRS, they can penalize you. So it's a very good time to check that extra income and see whether you might need to make an estimated payment between now and the end of the year. And again, you can log into your online account to make those payments online. You can go to irs.gov payments to make those. One way that you can reduce the amount that you owe in federal income taxes is those pre-tax retirement plan contributions, like a 401k, like a thrift savings plan if you're a federal government employee. 
If you want to maximize those contributions, lower your taxable income this year, run the numbers to see how much you need to save from your remaining paychecks this year. Increasing those pre-tax retirement contributions can help manage that amount that you owe when you start to file next year. I thought we'd grab uh, Robin on the phone with us here from uh, Oklahoma here. She has a question actually on taxes. So, uh, Robin, okay. go ahead. What's your question? Are you with us, Robin? Yes. Go ahead. Yes, I am. Sorry. Um, I had – my mother just recently came to live with us, and she's 79 years old. And she had been told by her tax person that she did not have to file income tax since my father died in 2018. And that didn't sound appropriate to me. So I don't know what we need to do. Okay. Well, thing number one, I would hope that a tax preparer would know when they should and when they shouldn't. Is your mom's only income Social Security? It is. Okay, that's probably why. Is she having taxes withheld on her Social Security? Yes, she is. Okay. What I would recommend is just get a second opinion on this. Find someone nearby, maybe ask for a referral at your church or in any social groups that you belong to, and just get a second pair of eyes on it. I think that could be right. I think, it, you know, we look at, at income coming in, we subtract out probably for her the standard deduction, and if there is if what's left after you subtract all deductions is a very, very small amount, she very well may owe nothing. And if she owes nothing, she doesn't need okay. to file. Okay. And then she has recently sold her home as well. Um, okay. So she did have a big chunk of money that came in to her from the sale of her house. So okay. That's that not necessarily a taxable event. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. If she made a profit of... And I'm assuming she's single, widowed, it's just her? Correct. Correct. Okay. So if her profit on the sale of that house was less than $250,000, she's not going to owe any taxes on that. Okay. So that's a nice chunk of money that she can invest conservatively, get some interest on. The interest income that she receives on that chunk of money may be taxable. Okay. It sounds so it sounds like it's a good time for mom to get a checkup from from another okay. uh, tax professional just to be sure. Thank you so much for the call here, Robin. We appreciate that. Uh, we're kind of running close on time here, Dina. So kind of wrapping things up a little bit here. Absolutely. We talked about recession. We talked about the risk of recession. And the bottom line of it is a recession is a normal part of a business cycle. Sooner or later, we're going to have one. I don't think the next one is going to be anything even close to what we saw in 2008. The other thing that we talked about today was just doing a mid-year tax checkup. Make sure that your withholdings are appropriate. If you don't have an employer who's doing withholding for you, then make sure you're up to date on your estimated payments. There you go. Thank you so much for being here today. You had to, you'll be with us again next week, right? That's right. And for next Saturday's show, I'm going to talk about something that's pretty close to my heart. I am, am running into more and more cases of grandparents raising grandchildren. And the financial implications of that are, are very definite. Oh, Every no. day, 
there are more than 13 million children in the United States living in homes with grandparents. Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about that next Saturday. Well, that'll be exciting. Looking forward to that. Thank you for being here today, and thank you for watching and listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina. For Bob in the back there, take care of Bob. Bob. For Dina, talk to you again next time on another Hi edition guys. of the Larry Rosenthal Show. <laughs>